0: All right, I have a confession to make. If, if I just chose the passages I wanted to preach, we would hear passages out of Mark and Romans every Sunday. I really try to stay with the discipline of the lectionary, which makes me explore other portions of the Bible. But today, I'm fortunate and blessed because we get to go back to Mark. Mark. We're going to look at four stories in Mark. We're only going to read a portion of one and all of the other one, but we'll be talking about all four. Let's be standing, please, as we hear this, the Word of God. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there, and seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet, and he pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your sufferings. May God bless the reading of his word. You know, in the Bible, you can find an example of every kind of literature, but I have to admit that the portions of the Bible that are the most meaningful to me and speak directly to my heart are the narratives, the stories. With a little imagination, you can turn these stories into videos in your mind. Yes, even before YouTube existed. You could watch videos. For centuries, this is what the church had done. They listened to the stories about Jesus, and then in their imagination, in their hearts, and in their minds, they played the video of that story and watched it. And as you're watching it, you can ask questions about it. Now, an important question to ask is where do I fit in in this story? I might be just simply one of the spectators. Maybe in this story, I'm just watching as Jesus goes and does these things. But it's even better if you can find yourself in one of the characters of the story. Now, if you're a spectator, you can learn some things. But if you're one of the participants, if you can say, that's me right there in this story, that's who I am then the story really does just come to life to you. And you can feel the amazing power of Jesus that those people felt whenever they encountered him face to face. So today we're going to run through very quickly four marvelous stories, and we're not going to touch every detail of them. They're found in Mark chapter 5 and the first part of Mark chapter 6. If you want to open a Bible now and kind of scan along as as I'm talking about the story, you're welcome to do that. Or perhaps you may want to go home and sit and and visualize these stories and see if they can minister to you. There's four stories, but they are grouped together for a reason. And the reason that they're grouped together here in the gospel is because they share a lot in common. One thing that they share in common is that all four stories are about a person or persons who are in hopeless situations. The first story at the beginning of chapter 5 in Mark, Jesus has left the Jewish territory, is into Gentile territory, and there is a man Who is from Gerizene, and he has demons inside of him. How many we don't know. Later on in the story we find out that the demons identify themselves as legion. Maybe up to 2,000 demons are living inside of this man. And this man is facing a hopeless situation. He is so out of control that the people in the area don't know what to do with him anymore. They have taken him and bound him with chains, both to protect the community and to also protect him from himself. And yet, he has the kind of power within his body through these demons to just break those chains and run off. And so he spends his time running around naked in the cemetery. So if you go to the cemetery... And you look around, you're liable to catch a glimpse of this naked man running around. And you hear him howling and screaming. And if you watch him, he will take rocks and he will gash his skin and cut himself. It was a hopeless situation. The townspeople were distraught. I mean, how can you have a proper funeral in a cemetery with a crazy man running around like that? And they also felt for him. But they knew nothing they could do for him. It was just hopeless. The second story is about a man who is almost as opposite as you can get from the Gerizim demoniac. That man, the man with the demons, was probably a Gentile, as unclean a person as he could be. And yet in the second story, we meet a man... Who was as good and righteous a man who lived at that time? His name was Jairus. Jairus was well respected in the community. In fact, he was the worship leader at the local synagogue. He had done everything right in his life. There was no one that could come up with anything that they could criticize Jairus for. He just was one of those people, he just did it right. And yet, he was facing a hopeless situation. His little 12-year-old girl was sick. And he could see that she was dying. And he could do nothing about it. This man who had always made everything right for that little girl. This man who had taken care of her all her life. And now, he could only stand by helplessly. And watch that life depart from her. He was different from the Gerizim. But what he shared in common with him, he was in a hopeless situation. The third story is about a woman who had been sick for 12 years. That's another thing that these stories have in common. Jairus' girl was 12. This woman had been sick for 12 years. She was hemorrhaging. And we don't know her name, don't really know anything about her other than the fact that she had been ill for that long. She must have been fairly well off because she was able to pay for medical treatment for 12 years. But the medical treatment of that day and time could not address her problem. And so the only result was that she had no money left. So there she was, not even able to go see a doctor anymore. And she had just grown worse and worse and worse. Flat broke with a terminal illness. It was hopeless. Three stories, three different individuals, all with so many things about them that are not the same, and yet that one tie, hopelessness. Now, I told you there were four stories, We'll get to the fourth one right at the end because it really is kind of the scariest story of all and I want y'all to kind of get ready to hear that one, okay? Something else that these people had in common was this. They encountered Jesus and when they did, they all addressed him in the same way. The demoniac, as Jesus got out of the boat, having gone across the lake, saw Jesus and ran to him and fell at his feet. And even the demons acknowledged who he was. And the demoniac begged for help from Jesus. Jesus, you are my only hope. Jairus, in all of his finery with his suit and tie on, A man who usually conducted himself with great decorum. Other people rose whenever Jairus walked in the room. And yet, when he saw Jesus, his last chance, his only hope, it says he fell on his face before him and begged, Jesus, help me. The woman, weakened of 12 years of hemorrhaging, used the last bit of her strength to throw herself into the crowd of people around Jesus. Dangerous situation. You can imagine today maybe someone on a walker, barely able to balance themselves and stand. And yet, seeing Jesus in the middle of a rambunctious crowd of people pushing and shoving, she knew her only hope was to get to him. And she threw herself into that crowd saying, If I can just touch his cloak, just get that close. These three people shared hopeless situations. And yet, they also shared the knowledge that there was only one person that could give them hope. There was only one being anywhere, and there he was, and they fell down before him. Something else they have in common is that Jesus addressed each of them in their situation. We know the story of the demoniac where he told the demons to leave the man and they said, don't send us out just into the abyss and he sent them into the herd of swine. Remember that? And then they ran off the cliff and drowned themselves into the sea. And whenever the townspeople came out to see what had happened, there sat this crazy man, dressed, sitting, and having a conversation with Jesus. Jairus. Word comes to Jesus and to Jairus before Jesus even gets there that don't bother the master anymore. Your little girl has passed away. But Jesus says, come on, let's go. He goes into the little girl with everybody saying, she's already died. It's over. It's hopeless. And says the words that every parent of that time said to their children. Little girl, it's time to get up. And she did. The woman who struggled to get to Jesus, just to touch his clothes, pushing her way through the crowd, jostled about. In my video, she's on her hands and knees, crawling to him and reaching out and touching. And as soon as she touches, she is healed Now, that story is even more special because it's what we call a sandwich story. Mark slid that in the middle of the story of Jairus. And what that means is that there's something about that story that talks to all the other stories, too. And it's that little conversation that Jesus has with her that lets us know what's really going on in all these stories. Because when he looked at the woman and she said, it was I who touched you. And he makes a very profound statement that the translation I read didn't quite do it justice to get it out to you. But here's what Jesus says. Woman, your faith has saved you. Now, yeah, it healed her. But he goes beyond that. He says, your faith has saved you. Now go and enjoy your healed self. And what that lets us know is that all these stories are really salvation stories. And as the readers of Mark, and as we read Mark, and we look at it, we say, he's talking about being saved Not just having demons cast out, not just even being raised from the dead, not even being healed from a terminal illness, but my soul and my body and myself being put back together and made whole that I can be saved if I will go to him and throw myself before him and say, without you, it's hopeless, please. Now, I don't know if you find yourself in one of those characters. Maybe so. But we can't leave the stories without noticing that there are a lot of other people in these stories as well. I hope we don't find ourselves in them. First story, the Gerizim demoniac. After he had been freed from his demons, the people from town come out. They encounter Jesus. Well, what's the proper way to encounter Jesus? Well, the demoniac, the woman, Jairus had showed us. You fall before him and say, please. You know what these folks did? They begged him, all right. They begged him to leave. Because they knew that if they embraced him fully, everything in their lives would change. There's too much power there. And they didn't want to deal with the changes that would happen in their lives if they fully embraced Jesus in their territory. And they asked him to leave. And you know what he did? He left. If you ask for Jesus to help, he will help. If you ask him to leave, he will leave. There's other people in the Jairus story. When Jesus gets to the house and they begin telling him, She's already passed on, it's it's hopeless, there's no good, and, and he says, No, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. And they laugh. They are too sophisticated for that kind of stuff. You know? They just know too much about the way the world works, they know too much about everything to accept some healer like that popping up in their midst. It's just silliness. And therefore, when Jesus is there in their midst, they say, you're irrelevant. You're just kind of old, old old-fashioned stuff. We've kind of gotten beyond that kind of stuff. In the story of the woman who crawled to Jesus... We have the disciples. Now it's interesting. In Mark, the disciples are as much a bad example as good example. Uh, they kind of, you know, which, which in a way is kind of mildly encouraging, because sometimes I find myself with the disciples, and yet they turned out okay, uh, even though they struggled along. But you know, Jesus is pushing through this crowd. Everybody's trying to touch him, and he stops and says, "Who touched me?" And the disciples are like, "Oh no." We're following this guy. He's, he, he, this is embarrassing, Jesus. I mean, you just aren't with him. You're just not with it. How can you say, who touched me? Everybody's touching you. These are the folks that find Jesus kind of embarrassing. You know, yeah, I'm with him, but nah, I wish he would not do some of the things he does. and We just won't talk about that, Okay. People that are embarrassed by the Lord. Hmm. we got one more story, and we don't have much time to tell it, but it doesn't take much time because it's a pretty sad story. After all these things happened, Jesus went home to see his folks. And when he went to his home congregation, the people there welcomed him, but they let him know pretty quickly that he was nothing special. Why? They knew him when he grew up. You know, I used to see you run down the street with a runny nose. Who do you think you are? There are people that had spent enough time with Jesus that they really kind of got over it. People that had been around him enough that they had kind of gotten vaccinated against him. He couldn't do anything. He wasn't that special. Sometimes we can spend time with Jesus just long enough that we can forget how special he is. Sometimes we can be around him long enough that we forget what he can do. And for these folks, because they said, you can't help me, you can't do what we need done, then his answer was, you're right, I can't. But think back to those who came to him and fell at his feet and said, I need your help. Only you can help. Where do you find yourself in these stories? I pray that if you are someone that's facing problems in your life that only Jesus can address, that you will overcome any kind of modesty, false pride, and step forward And embrace him and if we're some of those that have kind of gone about our lives and we kind of keep our discipleship quiet or perhaps we've decided he really can't do that much anyway or if we're afraid that if we really jump in there he'll change too much in our lives then I pray that you will listen to your heart and that you will come to him as your Lord. Let's stand. Let's sing together.